All right. That is Ruthie Foster from her brand new album called Healing Time, the title track. And you are listening to The Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until 2 o'clock with the best and music performed by women. And when you talk about best, I think you're really talking Ruthie Foster in a whole lot of ways. Uh, she's been out there performing since the mid-90s. But we would listen to starting off the show with Feels Like Freedom from her brand new album called Healing Time. And then in between, Phenomenal Woman from... The album just before that, it's Ruthie Foster's Big Band at the Paramount, which uh, received a Grammy nomination, actually, and then ended with Healing Time. And if all things are good, I'm Ruthie Foster's here with me today. Hey, I'm here. You're here. Fantastic. Well, Ruthie, um, how exciting. This is such an upbeat, joyful album, this Healing Time, which is your 12th album release. Mm -hmm. Wow, is that what number it is? I, I, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Um, it, you know, it when it was, um, when we were writing this, this album, writing for this album, me and the band, we were in lockdown. So it was about just looking to, looking to and looking forward to better times. So that's where it came from. Well, um, and isn't that much needed by everyone to to have some healing time after having gone through that for so long, for so many years of, of dealing with the pandemic? And um, and your your music is always joyful. I mean, I I can't imagine a downer Ruthie Foster album. I mean, it's uh, you're always exuberant. Um, you're exuberant on stage. You're exuberant. Uh, it comes across on on. Um, you know, digital, CD, vinyl, however, it, your joyfulness uh, it, it's effervescent. It's, and uh, I think that's really why so many people love seeing you perform. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I, I do try to um, just remind people that, you know, it's, uh, it's okay to be inspired by music uh, as well as being entertained. And the way I look at it, I have to sing these songs forever, as long as I'm on stage anyway. So uh -huh. I might as well about something that I want to I want to sing about and uh, I want to rejoice about. This is not just uh, work for me. Um, I, w I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I, w I want my work to always be my joy. So a lot of that, a lot of what I write comes from that. And I have songs that talk about my own and relationships and and what I've been through as well. I do have a few songs mm -hmm. sprinkled throughout that because that's life. You know, we all go through uh, what is it? They they say triumphs and and uh, trials and triumphs. So uh, I do acknowledge that, but uh, in the end of it all. I see people, you know, they're coming out to these shows and you go and you get yourself a babysitter to come out and watch <laughs> us play. And, mm -hmm. you know, I want to make it worth, worth your while for leaving your threshold at, of home and come out and celebrate with us. Don't it's really that for me. Don't you get people coming up to you and saying, oh, my gosh, I, I listen to your music uh, when I'm doing the laundry. I listen to your music when I delivered my baby. I mean, <laughs> isn't your music sort of... It showcases people's lives. I mean, people relate so well to your lyrics and 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 your joyfulness in in your in your songs. But well, uh, thank you for that. And I feel blessed to be in a in a place where I can 
not only sing from that place, but I actually write from that place. Um, yesterday I was at a friend's life celebration who passed away suddenly and in his sleep. Mm. And I sat down to write. Um, actually, I, I didn't. I sat down to just go over a couple of songs that uh, the, the program person wanted me to do, which was great. And then I thought, you know, let me just light a candle for this guy mm. and see what comes comes about. And once I relaxed about it, I ended up writing something just for him. Oh, and wow. so I, I think that's just what kind of I feel. I feel that's my purpose. That's that's what I'm here for, is to translate what's uh, what needs to be said in situations that are sad and situations where you're joyful. Um, it is my gift. I will say that because mm-hmm. I honestly I just get out of the way. <laughs> I let it happen, <laughs> and uh, it's it's always come really, really. I'm just so grateful that it it comes to me the the way it it has for this long, because there are a lot of singer songwriters that you know they don't write in their entire writing lives, and I I hope to be able to to continue to do that by just staying open. Well, this is a good time right now for your writing. Haven't you been concentrating more on your writing, more rather than uh, the other aspects of your music? You've, in fact, in this album, you've probably written more songs than any of your other albums. Yeah, and you caught me at my. I'm sitting at my desk right now in my home studio, hmm. just kind of going over a couple of things that aren't finished, that and just ideas. Yeah. Uh, even right now, I'm staring at my. Uh, I'm staring at my music program, just kind of going over a couple of things, just so, uh, you know, my ears, maybe my ears will catch something today. I do have a uh, a couple of weeks, I have a couple of weeks down, maybe a week and a half down, and I do try to fill my time with just being creative, and uh, I, I spend my time being creative, but I also like to have my time being, for being around my family, around my daughter. Mm-hmm around my my dad and my my brothers and sisters so yeah and I I think that's where the songs come from it's just from life and living and being able to translate that to words and music uh, has been the blessing that I've been given um, and hopefully my purpose so yeah you caught me me writing (laughs) your your home studio in Austin Texas right uh huh yeah just south of Austin um and and I remember or reading that uh, the best time for you to sit down is when you have quiet time, when you are at home, because you do a lot of touring. In fact, this whole summer is packed for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that. I'm staring at my calendar right now thinking, oh, <laughs> I don't have a week. I yeah. have less than a week to uh, recuperate. I'm actually just getting back from, uh, I was in Portland, Oregon. Uh, sitting in with Shamika Copeland and her band. Wow. Last, yeah, last Sunday. And uh, I was a little disappointed in my vocal performance because I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was uh, uh, on the verge of uh, this thing called bronchitis. So I'm oh, just no. getting over it. Yeah, but you know, it's funny when I'm sick is when I really want to <laughs> really <wanna> sing. <laughs> right. So, there's something about that defiance in me that says, I'm going to get through this. I'm trying to obey my doctor's <laughs> orders by being as quiet as I can. Uh-huh. Uh, and I wanted to well, honor good. 
in, in particular, because I think it's important that I do talk about uh, my craft and talk about the work and and uh, and music in general. And um, but I am trying to um, honor that time down and be good to myself too. Well, I'm sure you appreciate it since uh, obviously you're recovering from bronchitis um, and you do, I mean, you're out there performing so much and I, I, I did see your schedule. It is on your website and you're even going to be in Greece uh, at the end of summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going on the uh, Keeping the Blues Alive tour with Joe Bonamassa and a bunch, a bunch of other uh, musicians. One of my favorite, Jimmy Vivino. Uh, guitar player for the Conan O'Brien show for many years. But Jimmy and I go way back mm-hmm. when uh, I used to live in New York. We used to uh, play over at this uh, little place called the Downbeat Club in Times Square area. Mm-hmm. Jimmy and the Black Italian. Mm-hmm. So it would be fun to just kind of hang out with these fellas. A lot of blues, a lot of rock and roll happening. Uh, Bonamassa's going to lay down what he does. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's great. Looking forward. So looking forward to that. You know, you mentioned Shamika Copeland. She was just here th- last night at Zoo Fest, the 50th anniversary of Zoo Fest. And I know you oh, played Zoo Fest a couple of years ago, and I happened to catch you here in Lincoln. And, and man, you just tore it up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always a good time coming out that direction. I think she did mention that she was uh, on tour for a little bit and headed y'all's direction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 so glad that she was there. I I do love catching up with my friends on the road, and when we get a chance to actually be on stage together, that's just a really bonafide plus. Oh, I, I can't even imagine that. how much fun that is. You know, I was reading uh, that you were uh, earlier this year in, in the spring. You were at uh, Willie Nelson's farm for uh, a celebration of um, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, which mm-hmm. has got to have been just a t- real treat because she was, I mean, must be an inspiration to you because she's a gospel singer, she's rock and roll, she's blues. I mean, she wrote her own music and played a hell of a good, great guitar, just like you do. Well, thank you for that. Huh. Um, yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of Sister Rosetta Tharp. My mother was a huge gospel fan and she had an, an extensive really great record collection and uh, I got a kick out of watching uh, tapes and uh, reels of her uh, play the guitar she always had these big hollow body guitars uh-huh. and I love that which has a lot to do with why I usually go with a hollow body on stage oh really just, yeah you know it's really cool. from watching Rosetta um and I have one that I usually go out with, Michael Dan, Fifth Avenue. It's a French-Canadian guitar. Hmm. I, I do go out with her because she's gold and she's pretty. <laughs> um, I've had her modified just wow. in my set. Well, and, you- uh, hmm. yeah, that, that Sister Rosetta thought was a huge, huge connection for me. Oh gosh, and you can just feel it, and because you're, you you know you even brought a lot of gospel to this brand new album, Healing Time. By the way, I'm mm-hmm. talking to Ruthie Foster here on Sweethearts and Badasses of America on Beyond and the Women Show, and yeah, you've got several you know uh, great gospel songs on here. Um, it's just uh, the sweet, uh, oh, what is it? Um, I was called in paradise and sweet surrender. I think is uh, 
Uh, soul searching, soul searching on, uh, yeah. on your brand new album, which is very gospel root root connected, and and I mean definitely that is your background, isn't it? Yeah, gospel is where I, I started, and I guess I'm still sitting. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I do love my gospel, and um, I can't really get away from that when it comes to writing for my albums. It just kind of comes through just osmos- osmosis, you know, it just shows up <laughs> yeah. when I least expect it. I think it's because it's, it's always been so inspiring for me. And that is, uh, that's pretty much the core of what I want to always convey through my music and uh, through my life, really. Um, which is probably has a lot to to do with why I get calls from memorials, <laughs> you know, uh, right. about the life of uh, of someone, and uh, I think it has a lot to do with why I. Yeah, I'm at the CD table, and I do get those uh, those stories about uh, the women who talk about having my music playing during mm-hmm. the birth of their child, which is so, so. That's such a tribute, and I love that because I've. I've been through that myself. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It's huge. Well, your songs tell stories. I mean, they're very relatable. And when you're on stage, you tell stories. So you have a real connection, a real connection with your audience when you're performing. And that really comes across on your live at the Paramount uh, Theater in Austin, Texas, which was uh, nominated for a Grammy Award uh, back in mm-hmm. 2020, 22, I think. Or maybe mm-hmm. it was 2020. Yeah, it was during the lockdown. I, I remember we did not have, uh, the Grammys did not meet in person that year. It was mm-hmm. all virtual. And I remember sitting at the very same computer I'm sitting at right, right now in my studio. And I had my big speakers on because uh-huh. I had a couple of friends that I, I, I knew had to be nominated because I wanted them to be. And I was making coffee in my kitchen. I had my speakers turned up. Hmm. And yes, the category came came around to when they were going to uh, announce uh, what Blues Contemporary mm-hmm. and I'm making coffee and I heard my name. Oh, really? I, <laughs> I had no idea I was even up for being nominated for that award which is really really sweet. I almost spilled my coffee trying to get back <laughs> to the That's you know, great. That was really, yeah, it was really sweet. Well, really, really. Well, that's your fourth nomination, that you had, Grammy <laughs> nomination. Um, and I, I could go down a list of the awards that you've won. And you just won one just recently in 2023, uh, uh, a Blues Award. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, right. Again, I was on the road somewhere. Uh-huh. And uh, I heard about that. My phone started blowing up when mm. I got back and I realized, oh my gosh, what an honor. Yeah. And I love the Blues Music Awards. If you ever get a chance to go, you, you really should go. It's just worth being there in person. I so wish I could have been there this year in uh, Memphis. Oh, it was in Memphis. And you won the Contemporary Blues uh, Female Award? Yes. And you, yeah. You've also been up for the traditional uh, uh Women's uh, Award and the Coco Taylor Award. You've won that a couple times also, which is traditional blues. I did, yeah. A couple of my um, previous albums that were more traditional 
uh, to taste and and uh, yeah, I did win the Coco Taylor Award. They named it after Coco because she she won it every year for many years in a row. And I got a chance to actually meet Coco uh, the first year um, I actually attended. I didn't win that year. I wasn't even up for award in award. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go really just hang out and uh, support my friends who were up for awards that year. And Cookie, her daughter, who was also her manager at the time, walked over to my table and said, you know, uh, my mom wants to meet you. Oh, wow. And I knew who wow. Cookie was. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be Coco Taylor today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was so sweet. And one of the things that Coco told me that night was, you need to write something for me. Huh. And I was so floored by that. And and uh, honestly, just an stunned. And, and, and it was an honor. And I never got a chance to do that. But oh. uh, just to be asked to write for someone like her was huge for me. Oh, Feeling. my God. Yeah, she's uh, obviously a Chicago fixture, and um, she would come to Madison. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, and she would come up and play a lot up in Madison when she was performing. And I almost got her on my radio show there. (laughs) I didn't. Uh I wish I would have. It would have been a chance of a lifetime to have Coco Taylor in the studio. Uh, Yeah. Can you even imagine? Um, uh, gosh, Ruthie Foster, your your sound. You know, of course, you got that gospel roots, and you have the gospel roots because uh, you grew up singing gospel music. Mm-hmm. I did from uh, a kid on. A lot of my family were, and they still are, gospel singers. So I grew up around a lot of singers who were really, um, really great. In fact, I, I didn't want to sing. I. I started out playing piano next to my uncle. He played organ, I would play piano, and we would switch out. I think I was like 11 years old. Hmm. So I did not want to sing. It was very intimidating to sing around, <laughs> sing hmm. around my, my kinfolk because they, they still do sing huh. really, really well. Um, but I got my courage up mm-hmm. uh, around my teenage years, um, mostly because in the churches where I grew up, the Southern Baptist churches, um, it's a rite of passage. You have to sing a solo at some point. Oh, wow. Uh, or you have to participate in the church in some way. And hmm. so I was pushed, not really, you know, just kind of nudged to sing something uh, one year. I think it was, I may have been 14. And uh, I did. And I rem- I still remember the look on my grandmother's face. <laughs> big, big Mama, we call her Big Mama. She sat in the amen corner. And they always sat way in a corner, a bunch of sisters, about 15 of them, with hats and fans, gloves, <laughs> and glasses, and, wow. and, you know, always smiling and swaying. And I remember singing the song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Hmm. And really, I was really quiet. And then I saw in my peripheral view, my, my big mama leaned forward. I saw her hat. And then I looked over at her, and she gave me a nod. And then I, mm-hmm. I that's when I hit, I hit the, I hit the big notes. Then, <laughs> and then she leaned back into, back into the bench. She said, basically, it was her way of letting me know, "You all right? We got you." <laughs> that's great. <laughs> How scary for you, but, but you made it. You made it with. With that, uh, with that great audience, and I know you tell great stories about those, the the women sitting around in church, you know, with their, 
you know, uh, waving, the, you know, their um, things to, you know, to keep them cool and yeah, you know, all their hats and, and, you know, just going with the the whole music of, of being in the Baptist church. Um, great stories that you have to tell from your childhood. Um, you know, you also went to uh, college in Waco, Texas, and you got a really lot of experience with uh, a lot of different kinds of music when you went there. Yeah, I think what one of the benefits of being raised in the music environment in Texas is that we're exposed to just about everything um, from Cajunto to, you know, because, you know, we've got incredible Latino music here. Mm-hmm. And um, I was raised around that and Bohemian music and folk music, country music, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then East Texas, where my dad's people are from, a lot of blues. So mm-hmm. I got it all. You, you do. Not gospel. And um, I thought that was really, really, you know, that I think that's what makes Texas, especially central to southern Texas, really distinct when it comes to uh, to music. In fact, in the other room, I've got some West Texas playing right now. Terry Allen. I don't know if you know about Terry Allen and um, these singer-songwriters out of West Texas. Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Maine. That whole bunch. You know. Uh, Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Oh, you know, right. I grew up listening to a lot of these guys. Great songwriters. And uh, tongue-in-cheek songs. You know, uh, clever, clever songs from from those type of songs all the way to blues and gospel, and I think it was a real benefit growing up with that and being exposed to all of these different types of music. Um, and and I th- think that's what's made me such a songwriter mm-hmm. and singer and storyteller. Mm-hmm. My dad, he's he's a storyteller in the family. I'm nothing. You get my dad <laughs> in front of a microphone. It's over. Your show is over. That's funny. Didn't didn't he influence you with soul music? He playing goes those cassettes with uh, Tina Turner and and uh, Mm -hmm. Aretha Franklin and Lightning Hopkins, and you were like, didn't you try to do that on your guitar? Just kind of transform that whole soul into what you were playing. Yeah, I did. My dad would make uh, cassette tapes, and he would make bootleg bootleg tapes of uh, Ike and Tina Turner because he, when he was dating my mom they used to go see Ike and Tina Turner when they would play the Chitlin Circuit huh. in East Texas oh yeah my mother used to talk hmm. about that all the time Wow! and you know she talked about you know watching Tina even back back then and he could you know she could tell yeah I could tell she got <laughs> she got into it with somebody because she was standing standing up there with bruises all over and oh, dang it. <laughs> so wow. yeah you know these are the stories I heard uh, about Ike and Tina Turner huh. there was no Tina Turner it was always Ike and Tina and then uh, my dad loved Lightning and he had seen him he saw um, Howlin' Wolf that was one of his favorites he had seen a lot of these guys and he so he would make tapes for me oh great and uh, I, yeah I guess I was just trying to recreate what I was hearing, and because my dad was his bootleg way of making tapes, he would run a tape recorder huh. and 
run another tape recorder and record while he would pretend to be the DJ. Serious? Wow, that is great. <laughs> you got so and this is all live recordings you got to hear. I mean, the real deal. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a couple of them. Yeah, but for the most part, yeah, he's got a couple of uh, bootleg Lightning Hopkins, but still, you know, recordings of I can I can Tina, mm. and then uh, you know, my dad would sit and have a you know a couple of Budweisers, and he would. He would uh, try to DJ, and by the by the time we got to about sixty minutes in the tape, you could barely understand my dad, but <laughs> and you could almost hear the music. But most of it was about him. You know, this guy's great. This guy's from East Texas. Baby. You gonna love this guy. Well, yeah. apparently, it's kind of rubbed off on you. Over the years, because you're, you're just playing all different kinds of music now. I mean, uh, you l listen to Ruthie Foster album, and you're going to hear every kind of music you can imagine. I mean, you're going to mix it up, and you're going to play stuff that you really want. You're not going to just do one thing. Like, didn't Atlantic Records want to sign you and make you a pop star? And it's like, this is not Ruthie Foster. Yeah, they did. Uh, Atlantic, and, it, you know, the folks there were great, but it's a, it was a it was and still remains a major record label. And so I still recall, I lived in New Jersey at the time. I was living in the area. I still recall walking over to Rockefeller Center, the rock, and you have to get past, first of all, just to get in the building is a, you know, it's like, ugh, like breaking into Fort Knox. And then you have to get through three secretaries just to get to the same floor mm. as Atlantic. And then you have another secretary to get through. Hmm. But, uh, you know, my time with Atlantic was very fruitful for me because it really, using the word nudge again, hmm. it really nudged me into being the songwriter that I am today. Hmm. I wrote continuously. Um, and it was really good for me to do that and run across great songwriters. Songwriters who wrote for, at the time, Taylor Dane was huge then. Mm -hmm. uh, Bette Midler was looking for songs. Uh, Roberta, Roberta Flack. Oh, wow. Uh, she was looking for songs, so I was writing for her. Oh, my gosh. Um, hmm. Some of the other folks. Uh, Whitney Houston had just put out, uh, was about, hadn't even put out The Bodyguard. And I had heard a lot of those songs from the songwriter who wrote for her. He and oh. I was sitting at pizza and chocolate <laughs> at about the morning in the village all the time. So it was a great time to be in the village in New York, running around with my guitar on my back and hmm. very little money, <laughs> but a lot of ambition and working on my, working on my, uh, my skill, you know, my craft. Wow. So New York city was actually a very good place for you. Um, Austin, Texas. Yeah. Austin, Texas seems to be the community that really thrives for you musically, that you have the connections and the people that you, you play with in there. Yeah, you know, I moved back to Austin shortly after my New York time. I was there for about three years, three and a half. And um, I, I eventually moved to Austin. I didn't move to Austin right away because I think it, it was a lot like being in a village. Mm -hmm. I needed a break, so I took care of my mother uh, in, in uh, about two and a half hours away in Bryan College Station. And uh, eventually, um, just getting a, 
I got a job at a TV station to make ends meet and mm. doing what I had to do to just take care of my mom. And she passed in 96. And after that, one of the things that she made me promise was to pursue my music career. And I did that. I went mm-hmm. full time after she passed because I wanted to sing for her. And that's what she wanted me to do. She said, just sing for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing that since. Since 1997, yeah. your first album came out. I got busy, didn't I? Right after. Yeah, yeah it, uh, <laughs> your first album, and uh, you've done, been putting them out ever since. Uh, and now, since you're sitting at home in Austin in your studio, which, uh, if I saw your studio right in one of your clips, you have a, a bunch of guitars in that studio. Is that right? I do. Yeah, I have guitars that I've, I've uh, purchased myself, and I've been blessed to be given guitars by different uh, musicians and organizations. I have one here that Ronnie Earl uh, gave me one year. It's a beautiful Stratocaster. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. I, I bet. It's, it's a lot of guitars, but a few, uh, you know, a couple of keyboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of controls, because you do a lot of recording in your own studio. I do. Yeah. You, you uh, musicians out there, Universal Audio, Apollo, uh, it's my uh, my interface that I use, and I I pretty much drop my all my vocals from right here. If you hear any vocals on the other albums, I think Warren Haynes he's used my vocals from this very same studio. And I you know I have an audio engineer, not necessarily a degree, but I have a, a background in that. So what I don't know, I just call friends up and they walk mm-hmm. me through it. Well, you're you're uh, certainly on your brand new album, Healing Time. It sounds so live and so real. Is that because you kind of kind of want to do a throwback to analog recording and and vinyl, the vinyl disc that you grew up listening to? Exactly, that's what we wanted to do. We uh, we we did a, a special treatment to the uh, album just mm-hmm. because just that's what we wanted. And I think it has a lot to do with how we all recreated uh, created the a lot of the tracks for the, that particular album. Um, Healing Time in particular, that song in particular, was done in all of our studios. Mm. We were in the middle of lockdown. So the vocals are from my closet, about three feet away from me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and my drummer recorded in his basement. Really? Um, uh, Larry, a uh, bass player, recorded in his home studio. In fact, I'd love to put that video out. He actually videoed himself laying down the bass track. Really? Cool. Yeah. Uh, Scotty Miller, who uh, is a co-writer for the song, has a wonderful piano in his living room. He recorded the whole thing from there. Wow. I thought you were all together in one place, but you weren't together. But you were able to make it sound like you were all together. Yeah, you know, I think it's because we're we're a band. We've been together for such a long time, and we know, you know, we, hmm. we know what we're doing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you do know what you're doing, Ruthie Foster. A um, couple things I probably need to wind it down, and it's been great talking to you. You're just such a wonderfully talented and exuberant and, and life-affirming uh, person that I, you just want to keep talking to you, you know, just, just to get some of that energy flowing but uh you know you've been writing you got a new album uh, thinking about a new album after this healing time yeah i've actually started writing 
Um, I was in Nashville with uh, Tyler Bryant, a guitar player, songwriter, uh, and his wife, uh, Rebecca, um, for a few, I think, you know, maybe about four days, three or four days, and we did some writing. So I've just started, started okay. writing for the new album. And it's it's sounding pretty, it's sounding pretty dang good right now. <laughs> I bet you have a name for it, or is it way too soon for that? Too soon to tell. Too because soon to tell. You know me. What direction I'm going after these these particular songs? So we'll see. Just like having a baby, I suppose, and you know, yeah. it kind of takes a while, but eventually. There you are. <laughs> you got a yeah. brand new album, and you've had a few, 12 of them, Ruthie Foster. A uh, brand new one called Healing Time. Where can people find you on, on social media? They can find me at RuthieFoster.com, R-U-T-H-I-E-F-O-S-T-E-R, and all over um, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, all of your, your major streaming. You can find any of my music, so look me up. And you've got lots of videos on YouTube, and I saw that wonderful one where you're in your own studio and you're talking about your life and growing up in Texas and then what, what your music means to you and your audience connection. I thought that was a wonderful little clip of, from, I think, of maybe one of the television stations in, in Austin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I was up at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, my gosh. This, and I was, got the, turned the light on and started taking notes. It's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, to hear you talking about your, you know, your life and your experience and have you play your guitar. And I know you have a band, but you're, you're dynamic just by, on your own with your guitar. I mean, you don't really need a band, but you like having a band, right? Yeah, I love the camaraderie with having a band. And these guys are my brothers. We've known each other and played together for many years now. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet when we come together. Oh, I bet. Well, I know you've got a week off, and you've got to recover your voice and all that, and you're traveling all over the United States and even Greece on the blues uh, uh, ship. And, um, well, I, I was wondering, um, I'm going to go out with a song, which I always like to do, but I always like to ask if this is the song you want to hear. I picked out Love is the Answer. Um, what would you like me to play for the ending song? Oh, that's a great one. That one was written by uh, my bass player, Mr. Larry Fulcher, who's played with Taj, still plays with Taj Mahal, and he's in the, the Phantom mm. Blues Band. So yeah, it's a beautiful song. It says a lot. Beautiful sentiment. Well, I yeah, I love that song. But you, as I mentioned, you wrote most of the songs in this album, and we we did play uh, "Healing Time" for sure. And of course, you wrote just about everything else except for um, "Oh, Feels Like Freedom," which you talk about uh, in another video on YouTube. How what mm -hmm. an important song, and you know, waking up to a bright, shiny, I mean, day. I mean, it's a new, it's a new time, it's a new world. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's time to heal, and that's what you're doing with Healing Time, Ruthie Foster. So, well, all right, let's go out with uh, Love is the Answer from Healing Time. Ruthie, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate this time. Well, enjoy your time off and, and good travels, and if you ever get to Lincoln, Nebraska, be sure to look us up here at KZUM. We would love to see you in person again. Yay. 
Uh, much love to Lincoln, Nebraska. I look forward to heading out that way soon. Hopefully so. In the meantime, mm-hmm. let's listen to Love is the Answer, Ruthie Foster here on the Women's Show. And take care, Ruthie. We'll talk to you soon. All right, dear. Thank you. you Bye-bye. Bet.